gods of the theater, smile on us. You who sit up there, stern in judgment, smile on us. You who look down on actors, and who doesn't, bless this yearly festival and smile on us. We offer you some. Hello there, theater people, and welcome to episode 11 of Thespis in the Green Room. It's Bruce and Melanie here. Greetings. Well, it's officially the Christmas season with Thanksgiving out of the way, and we are now in the month of December, so now it feels like, you know, like it's Christmas, I guess. And I don't mind hearing the occasional Christmas tune now, where I kind of dreaded it before. It's okay. It's okay now. (laughs) It was kind of hard for me to stomach before, and I think a lot of people have a lot of opinions about that, you know? A lot of people don't want to hear it till after Thanksgiving's over, especially till after Halloween's over. Right. And then you have some people that want it all year. I don't know. I don't know. It's I've never me. been one of those Christmas in July people. No, me neither. Never. <laughs> and with the start of the Christmas season, Christmas productions are getting in full swing. Mm. And we each had the pleasure of seeing a version of the best Christmas pageant ever this past weekend, <laughs> we which did. we talked about last week with our interview with Adam Sanders and so on from uh, Spartanburg Youth Theater. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So how was your show? So I saw Adam's mm-hmm. production, right. the one at the Spartanburg Youth Theater, and it was a delight. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I saw the one at the South Carolina Children's Theater at the uh-huh. Gunter Theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, look, the people that come to it, it's so funny. So many folks came in and were like, this is my favorite Christmas story. Really? And evidently, there's the movie, too. Did you know there was a movie? There's a movie? I did not know I that. Didn't, I didn't either. And I, said, there's some, I thought I thought she was getting it mixed up with another show. I was like, no, there's. I thought she was thinking that Red Rider one with the BB gun. Uh, Oh, a but no, story. She, but she was not. She was talking about this show, and I was like, "You're kidding!" There's a movie too, and they they just love it in their household. She loves this show, and so yeah, she, she was really excited about it. But. I had no idea there was a movie. Fascinating. Yeah. I'm yeah. although I'm not surprised after after we found out how popular the uh-huh. show is. Yeah. It's incredible. Well, yeah, and it, it it really is, and there was great turnouts for it at the Children's Theater. I don't know how mm. your audience was. Oh, packed, packed, packed. Yeah, great, absolutely. So obviously, it is a favorite and one people identify with. I mean, it definitely is when you talk about the Christmas pageants that you know churches have and kids are all part mm. of and all the kind of thing. So it all kind of fits in that, and um, so I think everybody that has been a part of that kind of pageant at Christmas mm-hmm. can identify to a certain degree with some of the storylines right, and so on. Right, right. Yeah. Have you ever <laughs> been in one of those pageants? Yes, of course. And, and actually, you know, my wife and I have directed them over the years. I mean, it's been years ago, but when our right. kids were little, we were involved in them and, you know, always had, you know, some difficulty sometimes with um, getting people to attend and come to rehearsal and, hmm. and all that kind of thing. That's always kind of a, a hard to get kids, you know, organized they sometimes. Did in the play. <laughs> right. There you go. So I, mean, I remember <laughs> it was opening night and they had not run through the whole thing right. yet. <laughs> I was like, I, some theaters actually do that, that right? sounds you know? familiar. Oh, <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. But yeah. anyway, um, it was good and it was enjoyable and a nice little kickoff to the holiday season absolutely yeah and now there's tons more coming and of course this week we now have hamilton the big arrival hamilton. of hamilton in greenville the and truck is here getting ready for the show yeah the truck is here getting ready for the show to open and uh so it should be wonderful um i i know i've got a busy week i'll be you know involved in in front of house for a lot of those productions so looking forward to it though well before all that happens <laughs> yes Back to, you know, kind of gathering ourselves back, our back around. Okay. <laughs> We're going to see The Servant of Two Masters at Furman University, which brings us to today's interview. Yes. We sat down with Doug Berkey. He's an internationally renowned theater maker and the director of The Servant of Two Masters at Furman University. Doug is a master of mask making and of physical theater, and he's bringing the traditions of Commedia dell'arte and performance in mask to the show. Yeah, it's something you don't get the chance to see very often, and so I'm really looking forward to this show. Me too. 
So let's have a listen to what Doug has to say. But first, a holiday message. This holiday season, Thespis will sprinkle a little joy by including holiday messages from our theater community in our episodes. You'll hear from playwrights and actors, theater companies and fans from the upstate of South Carolina and all around the world. If you would like to send a message to Thespis for a chance to be included in one of our episodes, go to speakpipe.com slash thespisg and record your holiday greeting. Please see our Facebook page for more details. Merry Christmas, everyone! My name's Lucy Goldie. I'm a Scottish actress based in London. And this Christmas, I'm doing Aladdin, the pantomime, with Fizzgig Theatre at Mugdock Park in Glasgow. That's running from the 1st of December right through to the 30th. Um, we're having a fantastic time, really good fun. Um, hope you all have a wonderful Christmas. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Woo! Berkey is a performer and storyteller, a craftsman and theater maker. He has been creating work for over 40 years. Doug specializes in physical theater. His original performances incorporate elements of commedia dell'arte, mime, mask theater, clowning, and circus arts. He has designed and constructed theater masks that have been commissioned from all over the world, from Sweden to Cuba. Doug is also a writer, director, and educator, and he is currently directing The Servant of Two Masters at Furman University Theater. And Bruce and I both have separate connections to Doug. I first met Doug when he came to Converse College with his one-man show way back when I was an undergrad in the late 90s. It's kind of like that six degrees of separation. Yeah, it kind of is, a little bit. (laughs) My daughter, Leah, had the chance to work with Doug on his show, Kairos, at North Greenville University in 2014. I didn't get a chance to meet Doug then, but I got to see the work, and it was a really, really was a wonderful performance by the kids with, with all the masks, and so it was really incredible. So it's a small world, Mm -hmm. this theater world we work in. Doug, welcome to Thespis in the Green Room. Thank you. The Servant of Two Masters by Carlo Gottoni is a comedy that first premiered in Italy in 1746. It's a physical comedy influenced heavily by the style of Commedia dell'arte and incorporates the use of masks in the storytelling. This takes us right back to the beginning of your professional career at the Dell'Arte School of Mime and Comedy in California. But first, can you explain what is meant by the term physical theater and a little bit about Commedia dell'arte? Physical theater, I think, for some of us uh, became a a catch-all term because it was such a diverse theater form. Uh, I went to dell'arte to study mime. I'd been influenced by Marcel Marceau. And when I got there, I realized that nobody there liked Marcel Marceau. Oh, no. <laughs> How come? Uh, uh, is that another whole nor- another episode? What was up with that? Well, it's like anything else that everybody has their way of doing things. Uh-huh. And so the Dell'Arte School is really based on the Commedia Dell'Arte. Marcel Marceau had uh, created a sort of his own 
style of performance, which was the silent mime kind of thing. So, gotcha. <laughs> um, and as I went on, you know, as you do clowning, of course, then everybody thinks you sell hamburgers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think a bunch of us just decided that to give ourselves a term that we could live with, that it includes physical theater, includes anything that is, of course, all th theater is physical. Sure. Yeah. But the focus of what we do starts with the physical mm -hmm. and then and then moves from there. So, uh, yeah, it's it's sort of an all-encompassing title to cover all of those of us who don't fit anywhere. Hmm. All right. Okay. Interesting. So, well, How did you find your way to physical theater and specifically the training at Del Arte School? Well, I had been a, a jock in high school okay. and played soccer in college, and so I was really uh, into athletics. And then I started doing theater, mm -hmm. uh, just sort of as a as an aside to not being very academic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and then I saw Mar Marcel Marceau probably for the third time in Portland, Oregon. I was at Oregon State, and uh, what I noticed for the first time was a nice combination of theater and athletics. Mm -hmm. Because what? Yeah, he's incredible, f incredibly physical. Oh, the whole show yeah. was just all visual. Uh -huh. And so I asked the professors at Oregon State. I said, "Where can I study mime?" And they said, "Well, there's this school in California, not far from here, called the Del Arte School." So. I quit school and went to Del Arte thinking, oh, I'm going to learn how to do mime. And everybody hated Marcel Marceau and illusion mime. But I, I sort of stuck it out, and that's where I was introduced to mask work and uh, acrobatics and juggling and all those things that sort of revolve around that kind of classical, what people think of as classical mime. And we did a little bit of illusion, but the approach was more based on the Commedia dell'arte, which is uh, based out of uh, stock characters and improvisation and sort of what we recognize as silent, like Saturday Night Live kind of comedy. Mm -hmm. um, so. Sketch comedy type work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. So uh, just a little physical and got into clown clowning as part of it. And yeah, so I just stayed there and learned another kind of Well, you must theater. have been awfully artistic as well, you know, because, I mean, creating these masks, that's a, an incredible art form as well. I mean... Well, I had not done any artwork before that. I mean, I'd done some stuff, but not seriously. And then we had an assignment to create a mask for a theater piece. And, and uh, once I started working in the clay, I realized it was really wonderful therapy. And uh, so um, I just continued. And, and actually, sort of as a naturally shy person, the masks were really great for me because uh -huh. I could hide. <laughs> uh, but what I didn't realize is that in hiding your face, you reveal a whole lot more. Sure. Yeah, you yeah. know, with your body. Right. Um, but that's where I got hooked on masks, and then and then pretty much since then have been either working on my own or brought to companies as a mask maker and uh -huh. that kind of thing. So it has really served me well. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, how has your practice evolved over the years? <laughs> Eight steps back and two steps yeah, forward. Yeah, right. right. Sure. Uh, you know, it's an evolving process. Um, as a, I worked with three different companies uh, probably for six or eight years, and then decided I was going to got tired of running around in sweaty bodies in a bus, and so <laughs> uh, started working. Gee, I my, wonder why. Yeah, <laughs> really. Might as well play hockey. <laughs> So, uh, you know, finding your own style is hard and, and encountering different audiences, uh, you seem to adjust and uh, being called into different situations. Part of, you know, surviving as a solo artist, you have to sort of be able to, um, you know, take the kind of work that you can get. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you'd be at festivals. Okay, I got to do some stuff that works outside. Okay, ah, there's school gigs. Okay, you can do school things. Mm -hmm. and now you got to be educational. And then you know, there's more serious performance art stuff. Oh, I got to do something cultural. You know? Right. So, so you just uh, sort of play and play and experiment and develop new things and try things and go back to the drawing board and try something else. And, right. Uh, so Did you just, grow up out west? 
I'm an Air Force brat. Okay. So I grew up nowhere. Okay. Still growing up. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah. Uh, what challenges do you face in producing and performing this particular style of theater? Well, uh, the Comedia presents a, a certain, it's a, a real particular theater. And for students these days, 21st century students, it's, it's um, more physical and more improvisational than they're used to. Uh, although the Goldoni is a script, just like a play, what we try to do is deconstruct it a little bit to give them a flavor of the kind of improvisation, the physical, mm-hmm. the physical comedy aspect, the visual ideas. And Goldoni's play is very long, and so we're having to adjust it for a modern audience. Also, you mean like um, thirty minutes? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, uh, ten. Oh, okay. There you go. I understand. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what we've uh, what I've been trying to do is, and also it's a mask theater, so most of the characters have uh, three quarter masks on, mm-hmm. and that's a whole new way of working. So the in mask work, you have to really learn to play the attitudes and play physical and take pauses and sure. wait and look and and that's a little strange to actors who used to do realism because yeah. they, they go well oh, I can't do that it looks sort of strange you yeah. know it's supposed to look strange yeah. <laughs> especially to you yeah. and that's yeah. what it makes it work yeah. is, is being able to play attitudes play moments and realizing that most of the things that are funny are not things that you say mm-hmm. you know it's the reactions to uh, the yeah. takes that people take sure. and um, finding uh, things inside the play that uh, initiate or bring out comedy and so we're, we've been trying to add improvisation. And I think we're at the point where they've sort of learned the lines. And then over the weekend, I cut about 15 pages out of the script. Oh, my gosh. And so now they have to sort of. We kind of work how they're approaching because they were used to this line here. And, you know. But also now that they know what most of the lines are going to do, they can start to play within it. And that's where we start. The, the strongest moments of the play are moments when they get outside the script and actually play with the other characters. And that's what the, the real secret of comedy is, that sense of improvisation, spontaneity, looking for... Uh, it, it's, a, it's an improvisation that comes out of the character instead of out of the actor's mind. Mm-hmm. It's not cerebral. It's organic character work mm-hmm. that just is fun. That sounds really... I mean, it sounds really interesting. I think it's probably been great for the students as well. I mean, another layer to their performance portfolio because not a lot of people have this type of opportunity. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's a nice... Uh, you know, Furman has a really wonderful acting program and that they do... They have classes where they learn different acting styles and comedy is one of them. And this is an opportunity for them to actually to, to really work on a full production and see how that works or, or doesn't. Sure. But it's educational theater. That's yeah. what it's for. That's right. That's, well, and that's where you get the, most of the opportunity to see this type of thing in a way is in your educational settings. Mm-hmm. And Comedia has been around a while. What's the what's a little bit of the history there? Nobody knows exactly how long it's been around. We start to see mentions of it and scenarios. So the, basically, the Comedia had a scenario. The actress posted an outline of the show, and then they'd go out and improvise it on stage. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking probably, you know, we get signs of it. Goldoni wrote in the mid-1700s, but he was really writing at a time when it was dying. Mm-hmm. And so what we get from him is a sense of what it looked like a little bit, but the characters has already started to evolve. Right. So I think if you go back another couple hundred years, you'll find a theater form that was born out of peasants. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a kind of theater in which... Um, it's sort of like a safety valve theater where people get to make fun of the ruling class and the oppressors and the weak and the poor get to 
have a, a, a laugh on all the things that are oppressing them. Right. And that's where we get some of those really wonderful ca- uh, characters like Capitano or uh, Don Knotts, uh, Barney mm-hmm. Fife. Oh, right. Sure. Yes. He's a beautiful Capitano. The, the cowardly lion, the Wizard of Oz, is a Capitano. Um, you know, the Pantalone, as the rich merchant, is, is really a Scrooge. Mm-hmm. You know, so those characters have never left us. Right. Um, but they've come out of people's frustration with society. And so right. it was really, you know, who knows how far back it goes. And I'm sure it was influenced by the Romans. And But, yeah, so it's been around a long time and mm. uh, real rich. Mm. And tell us a little bit about the mask work in that. How does, how does using the mask make the storytelling more effective? Well, one of the things that happened with the masks for the Comedia was the masks tend to have a typical look to them. So no matter what company you would have seen, you would have seen a mask that had the same characteristics. So Pantalone, uh, you would recognize him by his mask. Okay. Or Arlecchino. He's just sort of, uh, now we think he sort of has sort of like a, a pig nose and he's round cheeks. and uh, <laughs> So that it was almost like a Marx Brothers film. You go and see the same characters doing a different play and mm-hmm. different companies doing those same characters. And so that was sort of like the first uh, soap opera, you know, that you see the same characters all over the place. Hmm. So they add a sense of consistency for the play, but because they're also stylized and not real, they add another worldly dimension to them so that the acting can be bigger. And actually, the masks require certain energy and play to really succeed. And of course, each of the characters was from a different part of Italy. Mm -hmm. So each of the characters also came with their own dialect. For example, if we're going to do it here now, our Dottori may be from Boston and have a Boston Mm -hmm. accent. And Arlecchino may be a Puerto Rican from New York City and have Mm -hmm. a Spanish accent. And Capitano could be the Southern Sheriff with a Southern drawl. Right. You know, right. so it has that kind of flavor that also reflected the culture and community that they lived in. So mm-hmm. so the masks add a lot of different qualities, performance style, a consistency of characters. Um, and also the, char- the masks themselves become a, a visual statement of how these folks interpreted the characters. And that makes it a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And what's it like for the performer in a mask? What does it do to wear a mask? (laughs) (laughs) Transformation. Yeah. So the, the masks become a catalyst for the actor. Because once your face is replaced, you have this thing that's static. Mm-hmm. And you have to keep in mind you've got a big hooked nose or you've got you know, big eyes or whatever it is the character is. You've got that in your mind and your body has to reflect it and play it. So it's like I was mentioning earlier, there's a sense of freedom that comes in having your face hidden. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you're no longer worried about what you're doing with your face. And it allows you to focus more on your body and physical communications. And so we do work a lot with physical a- attitudes. And one of the things I've been working with the Furman students on is is I want to see you. One exercise we do before rehearse a couple times was I want you to go out and figure out five emotional states that you go through in the play. I want you to find an attitude. And I'm going to have you come out on stage. And as you move, I'm going to beat a drum. And every time I do that, you're going to freeze in that attitude. So that I'm trying to get them to realize that when they're speaking, they their bodies also have to be involved in the process. So. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a challenge. It is. Yeah, it's hard to do in six weeks. Yeah. But they're I'm doing sure. a great I job. Think. Good. I Good. think. How did your association with Furman all come about? Well, it goes <laughs> way back. Okay. <laughs> um, I had been uh, performing around a college. Uh, let's see. I think I left the last company I was working with in 1983. And probably about 19, and I, I do a lot of residencies at colleges, and I've been at Furman a couple times mm-hmm. uh, working for uh, uh, different departments. And um, actually, Rep Bryson, who is still there back, mm-hmm. in, back in the 80s or 90s, he hired me to come in and design masks for 
Well, a couple of productions. One was Reynard the Fox, which was an, sort of a, all the characters were animals. And so mm-hmm. I built partial masks for the animals that the actors work in. And then they did another show called uh, Company of Wayward Saints, which was comedia based. So mm-hmm. made masks and worked with the actors on physicality. And at some point, I started having knee problems. Mm. You know, so I'm getting to be 40 ish and I'm going, I'm not going to be able to do this for a long time, forever. You know, I'm going to have to figure out something. And I hadn't really finished a college degree. Mm-hmm. And so I started to write at colleges around places that I worked in, new people. And I said, I want to go back to school and finish my degree, but I don't want to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good for you. <laughs> And uh, Rhett Bryson uh, took it to the university, and what they did was arranged an artisan residence for, residence for me. So I worked there. I taught inside the classes and directed some stuff. And as, as in payment, I got a tuition grant. That's mm-hmm. excellent. So I was here in the 90s for about three years mm-hmm. and, uh, and graduated from Furman University. Excellent. I am a, an That's official nice. alumni. Oh. We, uh, my wife had been teaching at a university in Indiana and was ready to, to move on from there. And so we just sort of decided where, where would we like to go. And we thought of the upstate South Carolina. Oh, okay. And um, I was going to ask what brought you back here, you know. Yeah. And once we told the folks that we were coming back, uh, they said, oh, come on back. We'll put you to work. So here I am. Very good. So enjoying it, loving yeah. it. So you've been back here how long? Uh, going on our third year. Okay. So was when you were back at um, when you would worked at NGU, you hadn't moved back then yet. No, they had brought me in. Okay. Uh, to, uh, it was three or four weeks to to work. The script is mine. The masks are mine. So what I did was I brought the show in and we worked with the All right. Because my daughter had said that that was a one man show originally. Yeah, I do it as a one man wow. show. Wow, that's when I because I saw it with the whole, you know, whole group of a cast and ensemble, and so I can. It's hard for me to imagine how to do all of that. And, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> it's much better with more people. Is it okay? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> so for me, that that's the other thing is finding universities like uh, NGU in this case, uh, allowing me to explore possibilities. Saying mm-hmm. I've got this show, I think it'd really be nice a residency for actors to come and learn and experience mask work and mm-hmm. tell a story. So, um, yeah, so we came and did it and we played and I had no idea what we were going to do, but we did it. That's excellent. And tell us about your craft of making masks because that's a whole another part of your business. It is. It's another, It's yeah, it's uh, one of the things I love about theater and, and actually being a, a, a one-man theater company is really what I am for so many years is that no matter what kind of skills or things that you like to do, there's a place for you in theater that if you like computers and, you know, lighting and design, everything's on computer now. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if you like to build stuff, hey, I mean, there's a shop, here's a hammer, uh, making costumes, designing masks, acting, those kinds of things, producing, uh, you know, publicity, all that kind of stuff. You can do anything in theater. So one of the things I enjoy doing are, are the many things that we do. And mask making is one of those. Uh, there's something really nice about um trying to find an image and then translating it into clay. But also, there has to be a translation from, say, an image you see into an image that will play on stage. So also learning how to design something that moves and helps the actor get the most out of the image. And that just, for me, has been over the years. You know, started making masks in the 70s. And so every time you make something, you learn from it. And every time I get asked to design for another production, of course, the problems are all different. Been asked to make things that I would never have imagined trying to make, but they need something for production. And so, oh, we need a six-foot hand that wiggles its fingers. You know, wow. Oh, great. <laughs> uh, I think this fall I made a unicorn horn for a pony. Oh. Wow. So we had to figure out how to 
how to attach a horn on a on a pony so that he wouldn't get mad and stab somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always exciting. And in other things, uh, in jugglers also, it, people share a lot of their ideas. So you learn from other mask makers, you learn from other jugglers, and uh, you read and you explore and you experiment. And so it's just been that kind of thing. Are all the masks you make out of clay? Well, I start sculpting in clay. Usually if I'm doing a theater production, I'll, I'll uh, cast the actors' faces, and then I'll build on cl with clay on top of the, the molds of their faces. Um, and then depending on the production and what, uh, like if it's a touring show or if it's a, just one, like a week run or something, depending on what, what they're doing, I'll choose different materials. So a lot of the masks I make are out of paper mache. Some of them, the ones we're using at Furman for this run are neoprenes, so mm. they're like a stiff rubber. There are other materials. There's a fabric with plastic in it, and I do a little bit of leather work. So it just depends on what people want. And each material also has sort of a, an ambiance or quality to it that you see from offstage. So the neoprene has almost a skin-like quality in mm -hmm. it, and it picks up when I pour a cast of the clay, it picks up every little scratch in the plaster. So mm -hmm. if I want really, really, really fine detail, then I could go to latex or neoprene. If I don't care so much, then I can do paper mache. And, and so Fascinating. Yeah. Did, you, did you study that anywhere, or is that just a skill you've picked up along the way? That was something I picked up starting at Del Arte. So basically okay. they said, okay, here's some clay, glue and water, paper, uh, bring back a mask next week. <laughs> cool. and, and then you just, like I said, you just look up things and study and share with other people. That's wild to me because I, I feel like that's, I mean, I feel like you have to be an artist. I mean, yeah. I mean you know, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, incredibly yeah. artistic. No, you, you kind of look at me like, nah, that's <laughs> yeah. Well, I have this argument with artists because people say, oh, this is so artistic. And I say, no, this isn't art. Because what we do, what I do for character work in theater, if I hung my masks on the wall, they're going to look dead okay. because a mask is made to be inhabited by an actor. Okay. Yeah. But a piece of art sometimes has a life of its, its own. own. So sure. people say, oh, you should do an exhibit, <laughs> an exhibit of dead faces. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they're interesting to folks, but they're not art as we think of an hmm. artistic piece. Yeah. So they're art, but they're not art. Gotcha. That's uh, anyway, that's my take. Yeah. Can you speak directly to how the Furman students have reacted to working with the masks? I, yeah, they, they've done really well. Yeah. Uh, as far as working with the masks, they, they can be a little uncomfortable. Um, mm -hmm. And usually they're very hot. So, of course, uh, with the neoprene, there's no place for them to breathe. So right. the actors are coming off and the thing is letting the water oh, drip. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> and, okay, let's wipe those out with alcohol so they don't stink tomorrow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, but for the most part, uh, it's taking a little while for some of them to understand the physicality that has to go with the mask. And mm -hmm. so, like I said, it's real different from realism in the kind of theater that they're used to or coming mm -hmm. from high school. They come and, and have expectations. And so, but that's the beauty of this is as they start to play with a mask and they also see their, their partners working in masks, they start to see when somebody hits a moment and everybody laughs and you go, that's, That's it. it, yeah. And Carlo, Carlo Mazzoni Clemente, who phoned, founded the Del Arte st School, we were always trying to, what is Clemente? He was, it's the damn thing. And, and so we're always trying to find the damn thing. <laughs> and so I said, you know, it's the damn thing. There it is. Because you can't explain it. It happens. It's a moment in where everybody, everything, the character, the actor, the moment, it's just a stage moment. And, and it's just like, you know, and I can't tell you how you got there, yeah. but mm -hmm. that's what we're trying to do. That's great. Now, have they participated at all in in the mask design at all and, and, and building at all? Or has that really been on you to, to take that on? Well, the amount of time we have this semester to, to do that, it was what I did was bring in masks that I already made. Okay. But, but often that is part of the process when I do residencies at colleges uh, is to um, – 
And there have been some, I think, University of Wisconsin, I went up and I actually taught the actors how to make their own masks. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was we went through the process, they made their masks, and then I worked with them on movement characterization. So in that case, uh, that was a mask-making performance Mm. residency. But often, I think the first time I came to Furman and did that, what we did was I did the poured their faces, and then I made the masks in the shop. Mm-hmm. And so I was there all week working on the masks, so they could come in and observe and make comments and see how their characters were coming. And mm. so, it's a really nice way of of helping actors and students really realize how much work is going into other parts of the production, other sure. than just their their hard work of learning and rehearsing and that kind of thing. So, so what's what's next for you after this project is complete? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, He's taking a vacation. Uh, yeah, I'm, no? virtually artists don't get vacations. Uh, I've got some shows in December, so I have about four shows coming up. Okay. And I'll be in Georgia and North Carolina. January, I'm, uh, if everything works out, I'll be in Cuba working with a theater company there, Teatro Miron. Oh, wow. And uh, I'll probably be there at this point. We're looking at two weeks. Okay. And we've been talking about developing. It's a, it's a theater company that works only on the street. Oh, wow. And so uh, what we've been talking about is developing a story. And so I'm going to go down there to help them. Uh, although <laughs> I really think I'm going to learn more from them than they are from me. Wow. Uh, but the idea of creating some large masks that they can use in, in doing their street performances. So that'll be really nice. How did that come about? Uh, this will be about the fifth time I've been to Cuba. Okay. So uh, I did uh, probably more in the late 90s and, and uh, met these folks. I brought a couple of the actors here to do some conferences uh, back. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. So I've kept in touch with um, Pancho, who is uh, the director of the company, or was. So it's just been a, a really nice relationship. And part of it is just trying to encourage communication between mm-hmm. people that really are not enemies. Uh, right. Our governments have sure. problems with each other. But, right. um, but people are people are people. People are people yeah. are people. And so <laughs> it's just a wonderful way. And theater is a wonderful tool to... Uh, Kind of bridge all those relationships. Right, and create friendships. I know when when I performed down there, people would often come just to see an American, you Mm -hmm. know, just to see, what does this guy look like? (laughs) Right, yeah. They hear all the horror stories or whatever, maybe. (laughs) Or they see the news or whatever. I don't know. Uh, But that's when when physical theater, physical comedy becomes really important because uh, uh, laughter is universal and Uh and that kind there's so much that is just, that passes between human beings that words don't need to be said. Yeah. So laughter is the best ambassador we have, I think. Excellent. Very good. Now, if directors and educators or other producers want to engage your services or book your original productions, what do they need to know and how do they contact you? Oh, they can just call me or they can uh, email me, berkshoptheater at gmail.com. Excellent. Very good. And Or call Furman. And if they lose that, they can get a hold of me through Furman University Theater Department. Sure. They'll, they'll say, you want to talk to him? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about him. <laughs> Well, Doug, we appreciate you taking some time out and uh, joining us and talking about um, your experience at Furman. And we'll look really forward to seeing the production. Yeah, oh, yeah. please yeah. come, please come. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell all we'll your there. friends and Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we will. And I'll make sure my daughter gets there, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, very good. Well, again, thanks very much. And we'll, we'll be seeing you. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. The Servant of Two Masters is playing at Furman University Theater through December 9th. You can book your tickets through the box office at 864-294-2125. That's 864-294-2125. Or you can visit them online at app.arts-people.com. That's app.arts-people.com. 
And the Furman University Theatre has a Facebook page with all this information, so you can seek them out online as well. He'd say, we got to go to Venice, because in Venice, everyday life's a work of art and must be seen firsthand. Destinations Venice Beauty and pleasure Is all we can hope To understand Well that was pretty cool It was so nice to put a face to a name Especially after my daughter talked about Her experience with working with Doug When she was a student at NGU And now we'll get to see more of his work in uh, A Servant of Two Masters. It always has more meaning when you get the chance to, you know, relate on more of a personal level and mm. get to hear a person's backstory, how they came about, uh, how they came face to face with their work, and then to actually see their work in action. I think that's really exciting. Yeah, it really is. And it was great for me to be able to reconnect with Doug after some 20 odd years. And I enjoyed hearing about his journey through physical theater and mask and storytelling. It was just kind of an interesting way about how he came to be, you know, doing what he's doing. Yeah, it just goes to show how unpredictable and unique a career in the arts can be. Mm -hmm. And speaking of a career in the arts, let's see what other local artists are up to this weekend. Another vote in another show in Philly, Boston, or Baltimore. Now playing and show openings in the upstate of South Carolina for the week of December 2nd, 2018. Opening this weekend, Center Stage in Greenville opens its variety show, Laughing All the Way, Thursday, December 6th, and runs Thursdays through Sundays through December 22nd. The Warehouse Theater in Greenville opens Christmas on the Rocks on Thursday, December 6th, and continues Thursdays through Sundays through December 23rd. The Spartanburg Little Theater opens its holiday extra show, Every Christmas Story Ever Told, on Thursday, December 6th, and continues Thursdays through Saturdays through December 15th. Greenville Little Theater opens It's a Wonderful Life on Thursday, December 6th, and runs Wednesdays through Sundays through December 16th. Spartanburg Methodist College presents Mr. Scrooge, Thursday, December 6th, and Friday, December 7th. Ballet Spartanburg presents The Nutcracker, Friday, December 7th through Sunday, December 9th. Greenwood Little Theater opens the best Christmas pageant ever, again, <laughs> Friday, <laughs> December 7th, and runs through Sunday, December 9th. Oconee Community Theater in Seneca opens My Three Angels on Friday, December 7th, and runs Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays through December 16th. Electric City Playhouse in Anderson presents a Christmas Carol radio play starting Friday, December 7th and continues Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays through December 16th. The Yonce Community Theater in Fountain Inn presents Yonce Christmas Cabaret on Friday, December 7th and runs Thursdays through Sundays through Saturday, December 15th. Continuing this week, Cafe and Then Some presents Unhinged Holidays, Tuesdays through Saturdays. Alchemy Comedy Theater offers improv and sketch comedy shows at various times at Coffee Underground, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays on into January. 
And as previously mentioned, the Peace Center opened the national tour of Hamilton on Tuesday, and the show will continue every day except Monday through Sunday, December 16th. Market Theater in Anderson continues its run of Annie, Thursday, December 6th, and runs Thursdays through Sundays through December 16th. Milltown Players in Pelzer presents the musical review Forever Plaid, Plaid Tidings on Thursday, December 6th, and continues Thursdays through Sundays through December 16th. Foothills Playhouse in Easley returns Thursday, December 6th with Elf Jr. the Musical and continues Thursdays through Sundays through December 16th. Bob Jones University continues its run of You Can't Take It With You on Thursday, December 6th through Saturday, December 8th. Furman University Theater in Greenville continues The Servant of Two Masters Thursday, December 6th and runs through Sunday, December 9th. The Logos Theater in Taylor's presents a new musical version of A Christmas Carol, Thursday, December 6th, and continues Thursdays through Saturdays through December 22nd. South Carolina Children's Theater in Greenville continues the best Christmas pageant ever on Friday, December 7th, and runs through Sunday, December 9th. Clemson Little Theater continues A Susified Christmas Carol, Friday, December 7th, and runs through Sunday, December 9th. Abbeville Opera House continues Alora Ingalls' Wilder Christmas, Friday, December 7th, and it runs Fridays and Saturdays through December 15th, with one Sunday performance offered this Sunday, December 9th. And in the early part of next week, the Broadway production of Allegiance will be broadcast in cinemas on Tuesday, December 11th. Check the individual organization's websites for more details on all these shows and events. Wow, that's a heck of a list. It is. I need a break. Mm. Holiday message? I think that's a good idea. Here we go. Here we go. This is actor Gil Snowden here in Charleston, currently in the South Carolina premiere of Vanity Fair at the Village Repertory Company, running through December 22nd. I would like to wish you all a very happy holiday and a happy and theater-filled new year. Hello there, theater people. We hope you are enjoying spending time in the green room. Want to stay updated? Like and follow Thespis in the Green Room on social media. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ThespisG. That's at sign ThespisG. T H E S P I S G. Want to support Thespis in the Green Room? If you like what you're hearing and want to encourage us to continue conversations in the Green Room, you can become a patron of the show. Visit our Patreon page. That's Patreon, P A T R E O N dot com slash thespis g and donate today no amount is too small and every little bit helps patrons will receive special content and audio extras through our patreon page check it out at patreon.com slash thespis g good night and thank you whoever we are grateful you found her a spot on the sound radio we'll think of you Special thanks to Dick Stevens of Stevens Magic and Fun. He can be found on Facebook at Stevens Magic and Fun. Thespis would like to extend a big thank you to our fellow podcasters, Teddy and the Baseman, for their help and guidance. Listeners can find Teddy and the Baseman at teddyandthebaseman.podbean.com or through podcast players, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. 
Thespis in the Green Room is a Courageous Crossings production. Music used in this podcast is licensed by ASCAP and BMI. What comes next? You've been freed. Well, I think that is it from us. You sure? I think so. I think so, too. You got anything else? I don't think I do. No? Yeah. Until next mm-hmm. time, folks. Okay. We'll be seeing you. Bye. Bye. Bye.